Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, thank you so much for allowing us to speak here today. Um, thank you for um, the incredible impact you've had on my life and those of um, everyone listening to lives as well. I just ask that, especially today, we can just give our lives to you and however that looks, whether it's um, at work or at home with our kids or with our parents, um, however that looks, just we can give our, our lives to you and every day to you. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. I'm super excited today to have Joseph Kokinge. He is a senior in computer science. He also works at UL at the chapel at uh, Our Lady of Wisdom. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. All right. He and I got put together in a very supernatural way, but I'm super excited to have him on the show, and he's got the joy of the Lord all over him. So I'm going to let him kind of tell a story. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Joseph. Yeah, my name is Joseph Kokinge. Uh, I grew up here in Lafayette. Went to Lafayette High School. Go Lions. Um, went to I, I go to UL now. Um, this will be my last year at UL studying computer science. Um, yeah, the mighty Lions. Yes, sir. Yes. All right. So um, I know that um, Joseph has been recognized recently. Uh, I think he creates apps. And tell us a little bit about that because. Um, we just kind of stumbled across that, but I think it has a, a little bit of effect in what, where he's going to be in the future and uh, where he's from. So tell us about that. Yeah, so Apple every year has this student challenge where they invite students around the world to create these little coding projects. Um, and then, yeah, I won that about a few weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago. And I was one of 350 around the, around the world um, in 41 different countries and regions. So it's pretty prestigious and very, very, very amazing. Um, I'm just so blessed to be able to take that and, like, yeah, take that gift and like see where that takes me later on. So, Joseph, um, I, I can see you're a deeply faithful guy. And I guess the question I always want to know is where does that come from? I mean, is there a member of your family that you feel like uh, was kind of the leader of your, your, your faith journey? Or where did that start? Uh, it definitely started growing up, definitely. Um, from a young age, my mom specifically, she, like, really, um, yeah, like, just ingrained this in us that, you know, this faith is, like, is yours. It's not mine. It's It doesn't belong to, like just God the Father it's you know you are going to create this and it takes your yes it takes you saying you know I love you Jesus because God's not going to force you to to love him he's not that kind of God mm-hmm. um, and so my mom providing that uh, early on along with um, some like definitely some difficulties in high school and just some profound moments my, my freshman year of college um, specifically at um, a focus conference the my freshman year, and then a, actually a focus retreat later on that year. It was May of my freshman year. Um, it was an adoration for like a super long time, and I was like kind of just like pushing through, pushing through, and I just felt this like overbearing weight on my heart, just like this t- this pain. It's like this is just not right. Something you should not feel in adoration. <laughs> and yeah, I was just sitting there, and I just felt this call to just say, Lord Jesus, I give my entire life to you. And then I was like, kind of thinking that in my head. And then I was like, no, 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 like say this. And I said out loud, like, Lord Jesus, I give my entire life to you. 
I just felt this like release of this, all this pain in my heart, all these different wounds and brokenness just like kind of felt healed in a way in a very profound and supernatural way almost. And yeah, since then it's been an amazing past couple of years of just every single spot that I could possibly give Jesus my life, just give it into him. That's so awesome. I love that story. And uh, I guess we're going to get into that too, but uh, Joseph is engaged, and um, and I think that's such a beautiful thing. And obviously, he's wrapped up in the sacraments, getting ready to take a giant leap uh, in in marriage. But um, just out of curiosity, was there ever any time that you discern? Did you discern priesthood? Not really so much for you. I've been discerning really since I was a kid, and I'm still like yeah. open to whatever. Sure. Um, if I felt the call today, I would say, "Look, Jillian, like I'm sorry, this is what I feel called to do." Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I see discernment as like not this like, oh, spend four days on a retreat praying about becoming a priest. It's every single day yeah, be open every to this moment. call. Yeah. So the Raging Cajun Catholics got it going on. And, um, you know, I know Father Sibley and Father Pelachet, and uh, I'm sure they had some priests along the way that really inspired you. But, but tell, tell me a little bit about who inspired you priestly-wise. Priestly-wise, I'd say Father Sibley has like the, probably the deepest impact. I was actually a parishioner at Wisdom before going to UL. And part of like what I'm going through now in my life, which is trying to get prepared for the secular world to go and um, have a job somewhere is potentially um, where there's not many Catholics like California or Washington State. Um, part of what he's inspired me to do is to take this, uh, or really take the, the faith um, and the knowledge that it has and you know all this thousands of years of philosophy and theology that it has and really look at it and say okay well in reality we actually do align with um the secular world in a lot of ways we just tend to um like hold up our arms for example um, his homily this past weekend was about um, black lives matter and in reality it's like you know catholics really should be on the forefront of this 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 battle to say racism is wrong you know jesus would not be on the side that's trying to oppose that you know we just need to say look this is what our church teaches and so philosophy has inspired me to take the faith and really just know a lot of things about it study the reasons why study the apologetics to be able to answer these questions i think part of the reason why so many catholics have left the faith over the past 50 years or so has been just a lack of knowledge and a lack of people um, defending the faith and able to answer the questions, especially related to a lot of social issues. Mm-hmm. I'm super wounded about the virus, about how they've kind of shut down all the adoration chapels in Lafayette, and uh, and that's something I was doing regularly. And, and, and then the Eucharist, you know, it really just disturbs me, hurts me deeply to know that maybe when are we ever going to partake of the wine again? And you know, it's uh, I know in, at Wisdom um, they still give communion in the mouth and. It's kind of on a church-to-church kind of thing, but I know that at Wisdom you see many uh, young students out there that are so reverent towards towards the Eucharist. But what is your take on, you know, I just feel very profoundly that and strong that, that you can't catch corona from the Eucharist because if it's truly the body of Christ, I just can't see Jesus transmitting a virus. You know, And, and that, that may be a wild statement, but it's just for me it's a faith thing. What's your take on all that? Uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of thoughts. I mean, in general, it's like although Jesus is all powerful and all knowing, uh, at the same time, like there is a human influence to it. And yeah, like if we like even in even in a church, you know, we start to use our intellect that God gave us to say that this is this is a bad idea. Um, that can look 
a lot of different ways, a lot of different things. I mean, people can fall and trip on the altar, you know, and mm-hmm. break sure. a leg, and that's not Jesus causing suffering. You know, that's not Jesus creating an evil. Right. You know, evil exists because of the fall, and it's it's still there. You know, we might ask like, oh, why would a, a nun catch the coronavirus? You know, like <laughs> she's so perfect. Yeah. Um, but it's like, no, it, evil exists, and therefore evil can take place in a lot of different places. So that's just the world we live. Well, um, so tell me about um, y'all's faith. I mean, here you are engaged, and, and uh, I would imagine that your uh, your fiance is a good Cajun Catholic. Uh, tell me a little bit about her faith life and how that intertwines with yours. Yeah, we actually met at a Catholic conference in Chicago, even though we were both living in Lafayette at the time. Kind of funny. Um, and what really inspired me to become just her friend was her reliance on the Eucharist and um, her reliance on Jesus. And just in our friendship, I could see that she would never put our um, friendship above Christ. And when we started dating about 10 months later after meeting, that same exact thing carried over into our relationship. And my favorite thing about her is, yeah, she puts Jesus above me, and I could not ask for another, a thing greater than that. You know, it's often said of the different types of love, um, that the, the the perfect kind of friendship is one that's going to um, put, or it's, sorry, a perfect kind of friendship is one that the person wills the good of another. And truly, she really does will the good of me because she puts Christ first. And, you know, what how our love is it's just us both loving jesus and then the overflow from that is what each other sees it's like a mirror that um, reflects off of ourselves and it's pointed toward each other and so that's really that's good stuff yeah, so it's really it's really beautiful to be able to experience that and once you uh, receive any kinds of false visions of love from other people in your life whether it be a significant other or a friend once you see this real, oh, wow, this is what it means for, like, Christ to love you through a human. You know, it's, it's just a crazy thing. I, I recently went to an Altrea meeting, and um, this gentleman gave a talk about, about Joseph, all about Joseph. And, and, and sure enough, I had Joseph coming on the show, and I'm like, whoa, we call that a ping, you know, uh, in Curcio time. Uh, it's like, okay, a God wink. And I'm like, okay, what are the odds that this guy is going to give a talk about the consecration of Joseph? And here comes Joseph on the show, and I think this this is the real Joseph right here. Uh, and so he he recited this beautiful prayer. <clears throat> this prayer was written fifty in the year fifty. Okay, that's what that's two thousand almost two thousand years ago. But I want to recite it, and t- maybe you tell me if you've heard it and, and what it means to you. Your your, your surname being Joseph. O St. Joseph, whose protection is so great, so strong, so prompt, before the throne of God, I place in you all my interest and desires. O St. Joseph, do assist me by your powerful intercession, and obtain for me, your divine Son, all spiritual blessings, through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that having engaged here below your heavenly power, I may offer my thanksgiving and homage to the most loving of fathers. O St. Joseph, I never weary of contemplating you, and Jesus asleep in your arms. I dare not approach while he reposes near your heart. Press him close in my name and kiss him, his fine head for me, and ask him to return the kiss when I draw my dying breath. St. Joseph, patron of departing souls, pray for me. Amen. That's such a beautiful prayer. And this gentleman recited that uh, by heart. 
and it's something that I, as I read here that it says that if you say this uh, it's part of the Pieta prayer and if you say it uh, I guess for nine consecutive days that anything that you so desire that you know that is in God's will I guess is something that will, will protect you I actually read it uh, it said this prayer was found in the 50th year of our Lord and Savior Jesus in 1505 it was sent from the Pope to Emperor Charles when he was going into battle whoever shall read this prayer or hear it or keep it about themselves shall never die a sudden death or be drowned nor shall poison take effect on them neither shall they fall into the hands of the enemy or be burned in any fire or be overpowered in battle save for nine mornings for anything you desire it has never been known to fail well <laughs> good stuff you're you're supposed to be i need you to be talking joseph i'm doing all the talking on this show i apologize you're listening to cajun catholics again today's guest is joseph kokenge he is a senior at ul and uh in computer science and has a big future uh, like all good Cajun Catholics and raging Cajun Catholics, he's got a deep faith, a deep culture here, and he's a little apprehensive about going away from Cajun country because, you know, this is the this is the Catholic center of the universe, and uh, he's going to have to maybe go raise a family in a in a foreign land. But but he's going to bring our Cajun culture with him, I know. And so, uh, tell me, uh, you mentioned that you guys lead a Bible study, and that that's something I think you've been doing for a while, right? Yes, sir. So. Actually, the first study that I led was my freshman year after that retreat I went on. It was the summer, and it was actually Jillian and I, we were friends at the time, we decided to lead um, a co-ed study. And, you know, I've seen co-ed studies done really poorly, and I've also seen them done really, really well. In high school, I was in one, which we actually modeled off of, where you start the Bible study off, you, lead, you read the passage, and you kind of get into these more simple questions that are kind of factual. So, like, oh, what did Jesus say here? You know, like, oh, there's no, like, not too much emotions going on. You know, it's pretty straightforward questions. And when it gets deeper, you split up into guys and girls, um, and you're able to talk about deeper things, you know? And I've seen quite studies where it's like, oh, the whole time you're together, and it's like, how is, you know, for me as a guy, how is a guy supposed to, like, deeply connect with another, another man in the room with, like, other women watching one and two mm-hmm. hearing what we're talking about? So we split up, and so that was our my freshman year, or sorry, going into my sophomore year. Um, we did the same thing the next summer, and each semester I also led guys. So that my first big Bible study, as you could call it, for all guys was after the the summer, and so I took all the guys from that study and created a study for the semester. Um, it's called the Big Three through um, Focus, um, and so it goes with the, the Big Three virtues they um, they say in college, which is chastity, sobriety, and excellence. Um, and it's probably the most profound study that you can ever be a part of, wow. no matter who's leading it. It's really the material is in, it's incredible. So yeah, I led that study. I uh, led a study the next two semesters. And this past semester, I led one on just the mass readings from Sunday, or one of the readings from Sunday, mm-hmm. whether it be one of the first readings or the gospel. And just so the guys who were in the study could then have something one sudden to say, oh yeah, like that reminded me of Bible study whenever we talked about this thing. Because oftentimes, you know, we read the Sunday gospel or the first readings out of context. And, you know, the the deacon or the priest might kind of like give some context to one of them. But in general, it's like, can be really great to have some context, especially in those first two readings to see what happened before and what happened after. 
Um, so yeah. Do you are y'all um, into the Old Testament a little bit? What like what in the Old Testament uh, d- d- inspires you, or what what have you read? Because a lot of us that are just starting out, I mean, it's New Testament, right? I mean, that's the easier one to understand, I guess, and certainly the Acts and 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 all the letters. But 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 sometimes the Old Testament's tough. But tell me a little bit about what's touched you in the Old Testament. Oh yeah. So if you're watching this and you're <laughs> looking for the Old Testament, go and look at the book of um, Ben Sira or Sirach. Oh yeah. Um, so I actually led a whole Bible study um, a few summers ago of just on this these books, and we would literally just like as a group of guys say, Hey, what do you want to know about today as as guys? And this works for women too. And like one thing might be like, oh, like how to get a, a good friendship or how to yeah, like discern what you're going to do later in life, those kind of things. Literally, the book of Vincira has these really beautiful ways of putting things. Yeah, it's like basically... Sirach is awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. almost like reading Paul's work before Paul is alive. Like it's, yeah. It seems like you're reading something from Paul. It's very straightforward. And he has like sometimes these little analogies and stuff about... A lot of them are about friendship, and they're really cool. Uh, I just I love Ben Sira so much. And it's and very so current, right? I mean, that's when I read it. I'm like, wow, this I think could like be written yesterday. Yeah. It seems like to me. And so, you know, um, I, there are non-Catholics listening to this show. Uh, they may not have Sirach in their Bible. Probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get a good Catholic Bible or Google it. I'm sure you can find Sirach. Tell me some something else. I I um oh shoot recently um. Uh, my, my daughter got married, and, uh, and and one of the Bible stories that touched me so much, and you're going to have to help me because I'm somewhat brain dead, the uh, the one where the gentleman, um, it's an entire dream of uh, uh, where an angel appears to, um, to this guy, and they go off looking, golly, I, I'm butchering this. It's uh, uh, it's terrible. How can I know this? We talked about this. Before. Well, tell me some other ones that have touched you. You know, where else could we start uh, as a novice in, in the Old Testament? Um, as a novice, I'd say go ahead and look at the Garden of Eden. Go start. Go look in Genesis. Yes. Um, and then also while you're at while you're at it, but I mean, if you're Catholic or not, pull up in a catechism and begin to read the first piece of the catechism about who we are, why we're created to be. And I think you'll begin to like, almost like the first start to a conversion is that, is like, who am I? Why am I here? You know, it's like, if you're atheist, you're Christian, you're cradle Catholic, whoever you might be, who am I? Why am I here? That will answer your question. That's nice. <laughs> um, and so I love getting to read that story in Genesis of the Garden of Eden over and over again, just to learn about the deception of the devil, one, and then two, it answers a big question about the problem of evil, which has been on my mind a lot the past like almost a year now, a problem of evil, because um, Father Pelsier, Father Rene Pelsier, not Stephen, he gave a talk about, um, it's from Peter Kreeft, the, I think it's 17 reasons about like why, how we know God exists. Um, I think he calls it arguments, he says. And he said, let's break down now the three, or I guess three of the best arguments against God's existence. And he said the first one that an atheist can bring up to you that actually has some validity to it and like has some substance is the problem of evil. And as soon as he said that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to learn every single thing there is to know about how to defend against the problem of evil. It's actually been very helpful because I've had a few friends who have become atheists and that's their thing is like sufferings in the world. Therefore God cannot exist, you know? And yeah, problem evil is explained so well by reading Genesis, and this church's stance of problem evil comes a lot from from Genesis. So, wow, 
Yeah, I mean, as much as uh, I know from my personal experience after Garcia, you know, I saw the devil as clear as I saw God. You know, I saw evil, and you got to know how to deal with that. You know, um, especially you starting off with a young family, the devil's going to come after you uh, always. You know, and you have to protect yourself, and um, and that's something that you have to be very, very aware of. You know, um, so tell me what else. So what? It, what? Um, Joseph, where do you want to go from here with your faith life? I mean, um, you know, I guess it's a, a real wide and broad question, but you obviously have the joy of the Lord, and, and um, you're going to be a fisher of men. I see that. And and I know one of the things you shared with me was being concerned about the freshmen and sophomores to continue on the tradition you started, you know. And so, um, you know, what what's in your future for that? Yeah, so part of, like, what's been, I guess, happening for me as um, an incoming senior is this of like, you know, I'm not going to really be at Lady of Wisdom, as great as it is, um, forever. Even if I did stay in Lafayette, there's a totally different ministry going on for the college students than there is the mm-hmm. parishioners. Both still great, but just poly- totally um, necessary for their, their parts. Inside the bubble and outside, huh? Correct, yeah. yes, sir. And so, yeah, as a student there, it can be very easy to fall into this like utopia of like, oh wow, everyone around me is doing great things. No one's really wanting me to do bad or evil things and everyone's really trying to get me to heaven. They're running with me. Um, no one's pulling me back. And I was like, man, if I enter the workforce, I'm used to this 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 bubble of, oh yeah, everyone around you trying to get you to heaven. And my coworkers are not the same way. You know, it's gonna be a real shell shock and I'm gonna be very confused. Um, and so to begin to anticipate that now, I've been um, really leaning on the the theology of our faith, really trying to understand things, and yeah, just get ready for this new image where I'm, or this new place where I might be the only Catholic around me. And then if I people find out that I'm a Catholic, I might you know be cast down because of it, which is definitely a, a scary thing to think about. So yeah, it's been it's been a very interesting, and I kind of have. But have to uh, trust the Lord to say, look, although like it is was great to be able to spend all your time possible with trying to get guys around you to join Bible studies or come to wisdom events or go to mass with me, I, that had its time and it had its place. And now I have to say, look, these guys that I brought with me, now they um, need to like carry this on. And then eventually once they become seniors and graduate, hopefully the guys that they um, reached out to and spoke to those guys will then carry it on. And that really is the beauty of the church. You know, every single Pope, for example, we've had, you know, except for the last couple, like have passed away and had to say, look, I need you to carry on the church. And that's really like, we're like the only faith like that, where it's like, we've been able to like, really hand over person to person since Jesus, what we've, what we've taught. And, yeah, I've had yeah. several people on the show from outside of Louisiana, and uh, and they speak of you know the Cajun Catholics as as being very deep, and and where the rest of our then there's you're going to find plenty of Catholics, especially wherever Washington, California, all over the world, you're going to find Catholics, but their faith is is um, wide, and where our faith is deep, I think in South Louisiana. So I, I would just challenge you, and I can see, you know, what you're mission and goal is going to be to bring that deep faith to them you know and and have them dig because i think you're going to find a lot of surface catholics uh as you travel out but but when you when you show them what the what a cajun catholic looks like i think it's that this is the real deal you know i mean it's deep it's 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 your life it's everything 
and uh, I think that's what I think you'll bring out there. And uh, so, you know, and this guy, like, is into the social media thing because I think he's going to make a living, you know, because um, he's already been recognized nationally for creating apps and, and doing these things with, if you want to call them social media or Internet. But how do we, as Catholics, you know, how do we make sure that we don't – that's the, the evil and the good all up in there, right? I mean, I'm sure you can see that, you know. But uh, are you afraid for social media moving forward or, or are you encouraged? Oh, that's great. Question. <laughs> I actually uh, gave a talk to the youth group at Wisdom a couple years ago, and it was taking like the top seven apps of iPhones and finding the sin that goes along with those apps. Wow! <laughs> you know, so like Instagram, you're you're being vain. You're you're looking at people and comparing yourself to them. You're comparing your reality to their um, highlight reel, highlight reel, as a uh, Sarah Swafford says. And um, let's yeah. go through them. Keep going. I love yeah. this. <laughs> this is good stuff. And so yeah, the. It was really funny because... How about Facebook? Uh, I don't know Facebooks, but Facebook yeah. has probably different ones now than it did two years ago. Yeah, yeah the thing about social media that I'm... I'm really, going to say gluttony. Because <laughs> <laughs> people, they're addicted to it, right? Yeah. yeah. The thing with social media, I actually work for Wisdom and Communications. So part of what we do is we do like social media advertising. We do our best to, yeah, use it well and yeah, try to get new donors, try to get new people to come to our events. Mm -hmm. It's quite crazy what we can do with social media. One thing we do for retreats is we can do these look-alike audience to, to our current sign-up list of people going to the retreat and then find people on Facebook that look like them. And it's like, whoa, that was not possible 10 years ago. Wow. Um, so that is really the beauty, is you know the ability for nonprofits, for Catholic churches, for Christian churches, you know, whoever, to be able to use this technology to find you know new parishioners, new people, or new donors. The fear comes into yeah like you said gluttony like becoming addicted to this from a secular standpoint it's not very often where we have a business that gets its revenue from time spent on the platform if everyone stopped using netflix tomorrow netflix would have the same amount of money in their pockets as before because they're getting paid by the month mm -hmm. facebook if we all stopped using facebook for the next week they would experience a serious financial crisis financial crisis because mm -hmm. every minute you spend on the platform they create more money so this business's whole goal is to get everyone on the on the place face of the earth glued to facebook interesting that would be the peak of their success and that's very really weird um it's never been a thing we've really seen before and you know there's yeah we have to be careful because you know whenever a a whenever a company is trying to get people glued to their platform um yeah even things like video games like most video games even if they do try to get you glued to it it's not like pay by the hour or pay by yeah. the, the play um so yeah i think you have to dig deep and discern you know is it evil is it good you know and i think that sometimes it's it's a lot of times it is evil you know you got to really be uh, we just have a little bit of time left on the show, but tell him about your widget with the uh, saints because I'd like you to just mention that. He's already got some plans to help out the church. Yeah, so in iOS 14, which is like the new iPhone software that comes out in September, they're adding this thing called widgets. And basically on your lock screen, um, they will show you like some little update of your day. So one example is like the weather app um, on your phone will show you like the next hour of like you know, the temperature and the rain. And so, yeah, trying to find a way to bridge um, my faith with my knowledge of creating iPhone apps, uh, 
Um, I actually made a widget that'll be released in the fall um, that's for feast days. And so every single every single day you look at your widget and it'll show you today's date along with today's feast days. That is so cool. He showed me and uh, it's really, really awesome. I want to thank Joseph for being on the show. You've been a blessing to me and you're going to be in my prayers big time and, uh, thank you. and you're going to do great things for, for the church. And I wish you the best in your marriage and God bless you. Man. Thank you for being here today. You've been listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. Uh, always we uh, ask you to engage the Cajun Catholic community. Until next time, God bless.